Well, glory. Good to see each one of you here. We're glad that you're here today to worship together with us. You know, it's an interesting thing that we're told never to believe everything, or some people think that you ought to believe everything that you see on Google. Uh, anytime you put it in in social media, whatever comes to the top ought to be able to take and believe. Here's an interesting thing. Put this in 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 the search uh, area of Google sometimes and put in how many different views are there on life after death you don't have enough time left in your life to read through all of them but what's interesting was one that I came across that really kind of caught my eye because it was from inside of religious circles not on the outside this is from within side of religious search, uh, religious circles, and and here's what the question was: Even if you don't believe in God, and even though you know it may not believe in Jesus Christ, but you attend church, how many that were surveyed believe that you can go to heaven? Ooh, be careful! Almost half believes you can still go to heaven. That was not done by an off-the-wall research company. It was actually done by a well-known research firm. So what, does that, so what does that tell us? Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. It's where we're going to be. Matter of fact, there are, there are some who feel like 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 through verse 18 is Paul giving us a complete detailed rundown on the rapture? Well, let me just share with you that is not his intent in verse 13 through verse 18. Paul's intent in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through verse 18 is interesting because of where he found the believers in the church at Thessalonica. Paul's intent for this portion of Scripture as we come to it and this part of the letter was to encourage and to comfort all the believers who were in the church at Thessalonica concerning those who had died. In other words, those within their group, those of their number who had died, who had gone on, where are they? What's, what's, what's going to happen to them? What, what are all of those things that pertain to their passing away? And so how in the world do we, how do, how do we encourage their hearts about those who have already passed away? Well, you look at verse 13 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and you'll see, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about, and he gives us what the about is, about those who are asleep or those who have died so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. And let me say something to you. Paul says a great deal in that one verse. Matter of fact, in that one verse, he tells us the reason that he's writing this portion of the letter. It was for the believers in Thessalonica who were concerned, save just this side of worried about all of those of their number who had already died. So what was going to happen to them? What was going to occur but one of the things that Paul also wanted to make sure that they understood that there was no reason for the believers in the church at Thessalonica to grieve in the manner of those who have absolutely 
no hope. And Paul wanted them to be informed about those who died in Christ. I, I mean, the scripture is very clear. The apostle Paul himself, in another one of his letters, here's what he said. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Unfortunately, here's what you need to understand. The only way that occurs is if you have been born again by the Holy Spirit of God, and so therefore you are in Christ. And so therefore when you die in Christ, then your eternal destiny and everything has already been taken care of by Jesus Christ's death on the cross of Calvary for the believer there is no see listen there is no reason for us to have to grieve as those who have no hope I mean I've lost loved ones I, my own mom and dad I know where they are today based on the very testimony of their own heart and their lives where are they they're in the presence of the Lord that's what Paul said and so when we consider that, and I'm sure many of you in here this morning, you've lost loved ones. We just had a service here this past week of Miss Mary Lynn Avery, who, based on her own testimony, she knew Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. For those of today who are wondering where she is, well, based upon her own testimony, if she died in Christ, then I can tell you where she is. She's in the presence of the Lord. And that's what Paul wants them to understand. That's what he wants the believers in the church at Thessalonica to understand that everything is okay for the believer in Jesus Christ. So Paul addresses the issue in order that they would not grieve as others who have no hope. One of the worst things that you can have happen today is to be around or be with someone who is getting ready to pass. I have been there, okay? someone who is getting ready to pass away who abs absolutely have no hope there is no relationship with jesus christ there's no relationship with god the father there's no relationship with the church they've gone through all of their life thinking at the end of the day when they die it is all over it's finished annihilation takes place there is no life after death and so all of those things that have taken place there is just nothing to it after they die however it's a different matter when they find themselves on the brink of death and now all of a sudden things change and now all of a sudden you start to witness what it means to die without christ and it's visible and you see it and you see it occur and so paul wants to make sure that they understand that they're not informed when it comes to those who have died already well for those in christ and let me say this this morning death does not have the final say for me i okay death doesn't have the final say and i, I can tell you right now there, there's a day coming when i i know i'm going to die and let me tell you what, the years for that to come is getting a whole lot less than back this way, okay? And so all of a sudden, I, I would venture to say that there's probably not an individual anywhere in this auditorium this morning that doesn't at some point in time think about what happens when we die. Well, take your Bibles. Let's go to one of Paul's, others, uh, one of Paul's other letters. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And verse 20. 
is where we will begin. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul, all throughout this letter, and specifically in this portion of the letter, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, Paul makes it very clear. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand. So the gospel is made very clear and very plain. Is the gospel very clear and very plain today? It should be. To understand and to get folks to understand and realize that the only way that you can come to this part in life where you have a blessed hope is that there is a relationship between you and Jesus Christ. But we come to verse number 20. There's been a discussion. Well, what if Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead? What if Jesus Christ was still dead? What if he was still in the grave? Well, I can tell you right now, if Jesus Christ was still in the grave, you and I all, we might as well go home because there is absolutely no hope for us. And that's what Paul says in verse 19 of 1 Corinthians 15. If we have hope in Christ in this life only, then we're all men most to be pitied. But you come to verse number 20, Paul uses that infamous word, but. He said, but now Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who are asleep. In other words, of those who have died. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. I want you to notice the phrase that Paul uses over and over and over and over in his letters. And here is the phrase, in Christ. There is a difference between being in Christ and being of Christ. In Christ speaks of a, of a, of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Of Jesus Christ means there's an acquaintance there. You know of him, you know who he is, and you may have been associated with him at some point in time, but there is no, there is no personal relationship there. And so Paul says here in this verse, he said, For as in Adam, verse 22... All die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Verse 23, but each in his own order. Christ the first fruits. After that, those who are Christ that is coming. I'm thankful today Jesus Christ has already prepared the way. He's conquered death, hell, and the grave. And so therefore, my dear friend, for you and I, we have nothing to fear. There is a blessed hope within us knowing that because Jesus Christ has already gone before us as the first fruit for you and I, death is nothing more for us than the entryway by which we go into the very presence of the Lord. So for the believer, it should not be a dreading time, but it ought to be a time that we rejoice and look forward to knowing that we're going to move on from our temporary abode here to our eternal abode with him. That's where the joy comes from. That's where the blessed hope comes from. And people ask me this all the time. How can you be so sure? I will tell you why. The only reason I am so sure is based on the promise of Jesus Christ himself. In John chapter 14, when Jesus told his disciples, here's what he said to them. He said, I'm going away. He said, and if I go away, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you will be also. It is based on a promise of the word of God. And so therefore, I don't have to grieve with this sense of hopelessness. 
as the world does. Now, is grieving accomplished? It is. Do we go through a grieving process? We do. But my dear friend, it is not that grieving process of an empty hope that is no longer there because we don't know where our loved one is. Verse 24 of 1 Corinthians 15, Paul goes on to say, Then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to the God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and all power. Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So here's what Paul wanted to make sure they understood. There's no reason to be uninformed. We have the promise of the word of God. And based upon all of those who are in Christ, all of those who have died already in Christ, guess what? It's okay. Guess where they are? They're in the presence of the Lord. Just as Paul said they were. However, let me say this. It does cause a separation between believers and their loved ones. And so grieving is a part of the process. And that's something that we need, that we need to understand. Is, is, is grieving a natural part of the process? It is. Why? Because we miss our loved ones. Because our loved ones have been taken away. Do some struggle with, with grieving? They do. And they struggle with grief in the loss of their loved one. And my dear friend, that is, that is okay. Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus grieve over the loss? He did. Let's go to John chapter 11. Go back to John chapter 11. Jesus lost a very good friend of his who who died. What is interesting, his death was for the glory of God. Was Jesus grieved over his passing? Sure he was. Did Jesus grieve over other ones? Sure he did. Go read the account of Jesus' journey as he's getting ready to go to Jerusalem, to go to Calvary. And as you go and you read and you understand the significance of that account, when Jesus is making his way from the Mount of Olives down through the Kidron Valley, he stops and he overlooks Jerusalem. And here's what the Scripture says. He began to weep. Is weeping something that should be a part of, of who we are when we understand the significance of someone when they slip out into eternity? It ought to be. Look at John chapter 11. Jesus knew Lazarus was dead. He also understood the significance of it. It was for the glory of the Father. It was for the glory of God. Look at verse 24 of John chapter 11. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Matter of fact, she had already asked a question. And Jesus already responded to her in verse 23. Your brother will rise again. It's a given. He's going to rise again. And Martha said, I, I, listen, I understand that. He's going to rise again on the last day. But Jesus said to her, Here's what I want you to understand. Here's the significance about where we are today if you're in Christ. 
Jesus himself said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Our life is hid in Christ. Our life is found in Christ. What Paul's wanting the church at Thessalonica to understand is not the events of a rapture. He's wanting them to understand. Here's where those who have passed on, a part of your number, here's what you can rest assured of. You can absolutely know where they are. And then he comes to verse 26 and he says, And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And he asks her a simple question, Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Well, if that's not enough, let's go back to one of Paul's other letters. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter number 2. Verse 11 and verse 12. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 and verse 12. I guess what I want you to understand, our grief should be different from the grief of the world who knows not Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 11 and verse 12. Therefore remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ. In other words, your prior condition. Excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. And strangers to the covenants of promise. And then I want you to notice the end of verse number 12. Having no hope and without God in the world. I'm going to tell you something. There is no hopeless. Listen. There is no more hopeless place to be than to be without Christ or without God in your life. Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians 4. Picking up in verse 14. Paul's going to continue. Chapter 4, verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep or who have died in Jesus. He just further substantiates it there for us. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. There's no need to worry. There's, there, there's no need to be concerned. And one of the other things that I, I want you to understand here is there is a doctrine out there that's referred to as the doctrine of soul sleep. Well, I'm, my dear friend, let me share something with you. Paul is not preaching here a doctrine of soul sleep. What he's saying, those who have already died in Christ, in other words, that word asleep there speaks of dying in Christ. When Jesus Christ returns, guess what? All of those who have died in Christ are going to be resurrected. That's what Jesus himself said. You see, verse 14 provides a basis for the believer's hope. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that Jesus died and rose again? Do you believe that he's seated at the right hand of the Father today, making intercession on our behalf? 
That's where our hope is. That's where our trust is. In the finished work of Jesus Christ, not within ourselves. And this hope is confirmed by the Holy Spirit of God. When the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence inside of us, at the time we become a born-again believer and the Holy Spirit now lives with inside of us, to do what? It's the Holy Spirit who affirms in our own life and confirms with us what happened in our lives. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we know that we belong to Him. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. That's how it happens. You know, I, I guess one of the things I struggle with more than anything else is the terrifying finality of hopelessness for unbelievers at the time of death. Do, do we realize and understand where someone goes when they die without Jesus Christ? Sometimes I think we've lost sight of that. When you die without Christ, there is no hope. When you die without Christ, there is no second chance. When you die without Christ, there is no, we're all going to make it one day, we're eventually all going to get there. Even as much as progressive theology teaches that subject today, that because Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary for everybody, therefore, that survey that I shared with you a little bit earlier that there are those who believe it doesn't make any difference when you die. We're all going to spend eternity with God anyway at some point in time. My dear friend, that is not what the Scripture says. At all. But understanding and realizing that someone who dies without Jesus Christ as their personal Savior will die and go to an eternity in a place called hell, okay? It's, it's a real place. It's a place where they will spend all of eternity. But my question is, does that, does that affect us today? Verse 15, Paul goes on. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. I hate to tell you this, but you're not going to beat them. You see, verse 15 addresses all of those who are still living at the return of Christ. But he makes it clear that those who die in Christ will, will in no sense, absolutely no sense, be inferior to those who are alive. So I think about my mom and dad who have gone home to be with the Lord. Jesus Christ should return and resurrection was to occur. I'm not leaving out of here first and they just have to catch up as they can. The dead in Christ will rise first. And those of us who are alive and remain shall be caught up, watch the word, together. Together. Not one before the other. And so Paul says, here's what I want you to understand. We'll not precede those who have fallen asleep. And then he comes to verse 16 and verse 17. And let me tell you what he does in verse 16. Paul does provide a basic sequence of events at the return of Christ. 
Verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with who? With the Lord. You know, it's interesting that Paul gives us some insight here into what that event may look like. First, the Lord will descend from heaven. Then he will be accompanied by three sounds. A cry of command, the voice of the archangel, and the sound of the trumpet of God. And let me say this to you. If you're in Christ, you won't miss it. Let me just go ahead and tell you. If you're in Christ, you won't miss it. You will not miss it at all. A cry of command. The voice of the archangel. The very trumpet of God. When you go through the scripture and you look at trumpets, and every time trumpets were blown, and a lot of times trumpets were blown for assemblies. When Jesus Christ returns, I can only imagine what it's going to be like. I don't. Our minds can't comprehend it. I mean, we just we we cannot comprehend those things that will take place when Jesus Christ returns. I just don't think we can. The resurrection of the dead, the dead in Christ, wait for the day of their resurrection at Christ's return. Why? It's based on a promise. Resurrection of the dead. Can you imagine what, what that's going to be like? I mean, when Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, there was a resurrection that took place. Jerusalem. Resurrection. We have a difficult time with that when it comes to our own lives. But Paul said, here's some things I want you to understand about those who have died in Christ that have gone before you. Those of you who are still alive at his return, even those who have died, there is no inferiority of those before you. And then we come to verse 18. And you'll see why Paul shares this. Verse 18. He said, therefore, he said, comfort one another, what? With these words. Should it be comforting to us? It should be. If you're a believer here today, it ought to be comforting to you. For the believer today that's in Christ we ought to know there, there, there's, no, there's no wondering about what's going to take place, what's going to happen. We know it's given to us in Scripture. But what about those who die without Christ? What about those who die without Jesus Christ? You see, my friend, as believers, we can grieve with a living hope knowing and understanding that our loved ones are in the presence of God himself. That's where they are. Because they have a living hope.
But our concern today, our concern should be for those who don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. I'm sure there are probably some of you even here in this auditorium this morning that have family members that you know right now don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Does it concern us? Does it bother us? Does it burden our hearts to know that if they slip out into eternity, where they will, where they will go? What about the church today? Are we concerned in the church today about those that may be without Christ? I mean, do, do, and I understand this. We hear it all the time. Do you understand? They have no hope. And to leave this world and to leave this life and find themselves in a place called hell for all the rest of eternity. You leave a place such as this and you open your eyes on the other side and that's where you find yourself because you're without Christ. My dear friend, I will say this to you today. It ought to affect us and who we are, especially those of us who have the gospel. Paul's letter to the church at Thessalonica, his whole first letter, he has dealt with the subject of, of the gospel. Our walk, we should walk accordingly. He comes to chapter number 4 and he deals with the issue of immorality in the church and then he goes about all of those who have died in Christ so he covers the gamut of questions here and then he continues it as he goes into chapter number 5 so where are we today is the Lord Jesus Christ going to return soon I can't answer that question for you Matter of fact, here's what the Scripture says. Only the Father knows the answer to that question. We don't. So when is he going to return? I don't know. But let me say this. We have a task that's been given to us to be busy at before he returns. So do we find comfort through this? We do. You see, as believers, we have hope. And that hope is found in Jesus Christ. It's interesting where we find ourselves today in response to Paul's portion of the letter here. And my question that I want to ask to you this morning do you know for sure that you're in Christ? Do you know for sure that you're a born-again believer? Do you know for sure that you're a born-again child of God? My dear friend, if you don't, only thing I can do is plead with you this morning that you understand, as Paul said, that Jesus Christ died for our sins and he rose again on the third day according to the Scripture. Based upon our own sinfulness, in the need for repentance in our own heart and life to trust Him and to turn to Him and place our trust and faith in Him alone. That's the only way that we will ever be in Christ, in Jesus Christ.
Let's bow our heads together as we pray.